You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I'm a an holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse that can cause the victim to question their memories, their sanity, the validity of their thoughts and perceptions of reality. Gaslighting can happen in several situations, including personal relationships, professional relationships, and in medical relationships. Our guest on today's show is Dr. Amelia Kelly, and we are talking about what gaslighting is, how to recognize it, relationships that it often occurs in, and steps for recovery for victims. Dr. Kelly is a trauma-informed therapist, author, podcaster and researcher. Her specialties include art therapy, internal family systems, EMDR, and brain spotting, as well as being a certified meditation and yoga instructor. Her work focuses on women's issues, empowering survivors of abuse and relationship trauma, highly sensitive persons, motivation, healthy living, and adult ADHD. She is currently a psychology professor at Yorkville University, as well as a nationally recognized relationship expert featured on XM Radio's Doctor Channel on the Psychiatry Show. Her private practice is part of the Traumatic Stress Research Consortium at the Kinsey Institute. She is the author of Gaslighting Recovery for Women, The Complete Guide to Recognizing Manipulation and Achieving Freedom from Emotional Abuse, as well as co-author of What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship, and a contributing author for Psychology Today, as well as Highly Sensitive Refuge. Her work has been featured in Teen Vogue, Yahoo News, Life Hacker and The Insider. So as mentioned, we talk about what gaslighting is, the common relationships, and even relationships you may not have considered where gaslighting can happen, and how to begin recovering from being gaslit. I really hope you stay tuned with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk with Dr. Kelly. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. 
Welcome back, everybody. Today's show has been recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. The topic of gaslighting uh, has become more and more prominent in social media, um, in, in research articles all over the place. I guess something that has been done forever has been given a title. Um, mm. What is gaslighting? So gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse that is used to manipulate and control another person through causing confusion, uncertainty, self-doubt. Um, and this can be in the form of withholding information, lying, um, making the other person doubt their own inner dialogue. So the way it presents varies greatly depending on the situation, but at the core, it's meant to throw someone else off their base and off their confidence. So what isn't gaslighting? Because that, you know, when you you look at definitions, you look at some, you know, I was doing some research for uh, for the show. It, it's a blurry line um, in some ways, isn't it? It is. I'm glad you asked that question because I actually think that's one of the more important things to be discussing because of the fact that gaslighting causes so much confusion. We don't want people to be confused about the confusion, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to what is not gaslighting, conflict, disagreeing, remembering things differently, um, having different opinions, having strong negative emotions towards someone, hurting someone's feelings, essentially conflict at its core itself is not gaslighting. So, and this is where, you know, at the at the beginning, I was saying <clears throat> gaslighting is this emotional abuse. I'm going to, you can correct me later, um, mm -hmm. but this emotional abuse has been given a tag name and we see it all over the place now. Is it being misused? Are people getting confused between what it is and what it is not? Well, I've seen it misused in not just social media, but some reality TV that admittedly I do watch sometimes. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've seen it in some scenes where there may be two individuals having a high conflict conversation and they say, you're gaslighting me because mm -hmm. they're not seeing seeing things the same way. Um, I've also, you know, I was on a, another radio show and we were taking call-ins. And there were quite a few, I want to say at least two or three callers who called in, shared their story, shared their concern. And then we had to tell them that what they were experiencing wasn't actually gaslighting. It was just a really cruddy dynamic or situation or relationship that they were dealing with. And so that can be confusing for some folks. Well, it can be because, you know, when I look at some things, um, you know, and I read some things and it's like I was gaslit or I went on a date and now I'm being, you know, things like that. Um, we've got the ghosted, we've got the gaslit. And it's I, I think when we need I think we need to define what it is, because those that are suffering the abuse um, need their space and they need to be identified and they need to be um, treated, I guess, is the, is the word that I would use with, with doctors, with care, with, with steps that you are going to talk about in the book. Um, 
Is gaslighting, this is a question that uh, popped up in my mind a lot when I was doing the research. Is it always intentional that somebody gaslights another person or can this develop within, you know, within months, years in a relationship? I think the answer is both. So, and it also has to do with the intent. So if okay. the person gaslighting is an emotional abusive person and, or let's say a narcissist or has other personality issues and they're trying to manipulate and control their partner, um, gaslighting is a tactic commonly employed by these individuals. And I want to say that those folks do not walk around thinking I am going to go gaslight my partner today. However, what they may be saying internally is I don't want to lose control or I'm not going to let this person one up me or I'm not going to let this person leave me or betray me. And so it can be this fearful insecurity tactic that is used to help individuals like that sustain what they want in a relationship. So do these people who are gaslighting have the insight to know I am gaslighting this person? I'm going to say possibly not. Although now that media is discussing this more, they might have a word now to describe what they're doing, but it is all part of the web of manipulation and control that is used by these individuals, I would say with some awareness, but complete denial that they're doing it. Would characteristics of a gaslighter show up in other relationships and other aspects of life, or is it solely within a personal relationship? Oh, sure. Um, pretty much anywhere where you have humans that interact with one another, it can show up and or Humans that carry uh, a bit of control over another person. So this can come up in um, societal dynamics, political dynamics, medical gaslighting is a big issue that we could touch on. Um, it can show up in the workplace. There was a, a study that was done on uh, women in politics and how they found that women were interrupted substantially more than men were in certain dynamics in politics and even more so when the bills that were being presented had to do with women's rights yet the denial that this is happening is where the gaslighting is so that's something i want to be clear about the act of doing something unhealthy or unfair to another person that itself is not gaslighting but if you confront that person or maybe you confront another person and say, I cannot believe I was being interrupted so much at work the other day. And then this other individual says, well, you know, it's 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 really not that big of a deal or no, you weren't or that just happens. You're just going to have to deal with it. That's where the gaslighting comes in, where it's your concerns are not valid. I'm going to make you question whether or not the concerns you have are legitimate. It seems like such an intricate, well-laid-out plan. Yet when you talk about that particular instance, it seems like this can have levels and stages. So uh, it, it's like a gaslighter can 
initiate something, see where that leads, see the pushback. And then if they're given more space, it can go deeper and deeper. Are there in fact stages? Does a gaslighter either either intentionally or or with awareness, do they develop this level of deceit or, or abuse, I guess, towards their person? Or is, is it just something that happens in an interaction with a person that may be a little more vulnerable to gaslighting? Actually, there are stages and I do outline them in great detail in my book. Um, and the way that you just started to describe how it can be a bit gradual in the beginning is very common. And that's usually how it begins. Because if you think of it this way, um, I remember experiencing some professional gaslighting at one point from um, someone that I had brought a concern to. And I'm a, I'm a therapist. I was I was concerned about the way one of my clients were being treated by their career counselor at their university. I think what was happening was unethical. So I called to lodge a complaint because I was concerned. And I was questioned as to whether or not I should even believe what my clients say. And I was minimized. My concerns were minimized because I was meant not to ever believe my clients. These were literal words coming out of this person's mouth. It was so incredulous and so out of left field that I instantly felt that turn in my stomach and I knew I was being gaslit. So I was able to distance myself very quickly. So that's not an interpersonal relationship where someone is trying to sustain a connection with me. That was just blatant gaslighting right out of the gate. And that can happen. However, what's more common is what you're discussing, which is this gradual build. And so a gaslighter will start with creating negative false narratives towards the person they're targeting or the entity they're targeting. And they do it in such a way that's hard to tell it's happening because they need to see if they can get away with it. They need to see what they can do within this relationship. Once that happens, repetition is important. So they're going to lay this down a little thicker, see if they can begin to gain control. And then once the other individual starts to doubt themselves, it's going to escalate. And that's when some of the more uh, kind of uncommon and, as I was saying, incredulous forms of gaslighting will come out. So it does build, to answer your question. Are there characteristics of, so if we if we look at your example of gaslighting, you recognized it, you recognized that you were being, um, you were being played <laughs> and you stepped away and you regrouped. Now, are there characteristics of a victim that does not allow them to identify or to distance themselves with someone who is initiating this negative behavior towards them? Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, <clears throat> if you have experienced any form of emotional abuse, degradation, intimidation in your past, and this can be from your family of origin, this can be in other abusive relationships, that is absolutely going to make it more difficult to detect when it happens. 
Um, I I use the example in my first book, What I Wish I Knew, um, which was co-written with Kendall Ann Combs, a survivor of domestic violence, where we talked about that adage of the the frog in the tepid water and how they don't notice it at first. And that they'll slowly, as the temperature goes up, eventually when it's too late, it's too late. And so it's a similar thing with our nervous systems when we have encountered abuse in the past or and maybe even gaslighting in the past, especially in family dynamics, where these things feel more, more familiar or maybe our internal dialogue about whether or not we can stand up for ourselves or whether or not it matters that we feel uncomfortable or thrown off. When, when we are not given that internal confidence and voice to speak up, that can make it more likely that a gaslighter will continue to target you. And I, I guess I should back up. I use the word confidence. Self-esteem is at the core, though. Mm-hmm. So self-esteem is different than confidence. Self-esteem is the awareness that as a human, you have the right to be treated with respect, just purely because you are human and that you exist. And that being broken apart, not having that sense of worth and self-preservation to begin with can make it more likely that it'll be hard to detect when someone treats you poorly or gaslights you. And it's just really unfortunate. And that's why having these conversations and reminding each and every person that no one deserves to treat you this way is so crucial. It just seems that, you know, in the situations, the workplace, and I do want to talk about medical gaslighting. I'll leave that for the second part of the show. But, you know, I've been in situations where I've, I've felt, you know, and it's, it's a new situation. You know, if you're comfortable in situations, that's fine. But when you're in a new situation or, or a, an environment that you're not familiar with, isn't it, I mean, people can chip away at your self-confidence no matter how, you know, what I want to do here is differentiate the people that have had past abuse, but still leave space for people who haven't yet. There are clever people out there that know how to chip away very, very slowly at self-confidence. Is there not? Absolutely. You are a hundred percent correct. Especially when you look at systemic gaslighting, or, you know, we had, you had mentioned medical gaslighting, professional gaslighting. Anytime where you're being placed in a situation where you don't have authority mm-hmm. over others, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for someone who wants to remain in power to utilize gaslighting to remain in power. With a caveat, this doesn't mean that everyone in power <laughs> is doing this, but... Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's more opportunity, if you will. So I love, you know, I'd never had this piece of this discussion. I love that you just said, if someone is new to something or if you're unfamiliar with something. So for instance, if you're in a new job and there's so much to absorb, so much to learn, no matter who you are, even the most confident people may feel a little bit more off kilter. Mm-hmm. That would be, as you're mentioning, such a prime moment for when gaslighting could happen because you don't know all the ins and outs yet. You're still waiting to hear. And this person or entity is someone that you're hoping you can trust and you're hoping that they have your best interest. But what if they don't? 
Um, that's that's a wonderful question. And, you know, with all the times I've discussed gaslighting, no one has ever asked if you're new to something or unfamiliar, can it make you a little bit more susceptible? That's a, a wonderful way to think about it. Well, I think, and just with your um, talking, I think I've got the aha of what medical gaslighting is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes, I have been in the medical system um, and I I think I have a handle on what it is before you even begin to explain it. But I think maybe right now would be a good uh, segue into that. Okay. So medical gaslighting is when a a person in power, normally a doctor, and it could be anyone in the medical field. I mean, you can consider even maybe an insurance company would be a prime position where this would happen, where they are minimizing your concerns about your medical state. They may be restricting certain information. They may not follow through with testing that you request. And this can be very dangerous. You can imagine if someone is coming to a a medical provider because they have concerns that could potentially be fatal and you don't get a life-saving test, because the doctor or medical professional or insurance entity is questioning whether or not you know what you know about your own body. Um, I think when Google became a resource or just internet searches in general became a resource for all of us as consumers of medical services, I don't know about you, but I do remember there being almost this kind of humorous gaslighting of of people trying to be Dr. Google. But really, shouldn't we research? Shouldn't we ask questions? Shouldn't we look into our symptoms and get further information? Because oh my gosh! I, right? <laughs> you, you have, I, I don't. I don't even know how this conversation got into this direction. But my husband was just. Um, he he missed the last two stairs. Anyway, he tore his quad tendon. It was a terrible injury. Mm. And as um, the, the diagnosis came down, we were, we were pretty confident, and that's what it was. And he had the X-rays, whatever. I started googling. Um, you know the type of surgeries that um, would repair this. Long story short, the the doctor came in after several hours and Mm -hmm. um, I said, what type of surgery will you be doing? Because I had read that there were basically two ways you could do this surgery. And he said, oh, you've been on the internet. And I said, yeah, I was just, you know, I I wanted to get an idea of, you know, what, how this repair takes place. And then I got this diatribe from him about don't compare us to the U.S. doctors. We are doing different different types of surgeries. They are under a different financial plan. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just wanted to mm. know. And you know, for a second, I felt like I felt, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And then <clears> I thought, <throat> no, what? Uh, it really, <laughs> really aggravated me. And then the funny part of it all was that my husband was on a medication, and they, you know, the doctor hadn't heard of it. So he needed to know if if any of the um, you know, anesthesia, any of the post-operative uh, medications would interact. Did he not go on Google and research the medication that my husband was on? I was like, Holy. I bet he did. He did. He absolutely. So I understand it. And also the other part with medical gaslighting is that if you have a disease or, uh, you know, if you have a serious disease, you feel vulnerable. And yes. and these doctors are, mm-hmm. you know, you're hoping that they're going to give you good news, good, and you're in a vulnerable state to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never even 
I never even met the, you know, put those two things together, medical gaslighting and that vulnerability. That is, that's a brilliant piece to bring forward. I'm really glad we got to that because mm-hmm. it is out there. It is out it, there. Yes, it is. And you can imagine there are things that can increase vulnerability as well. Let's say someone has limited resources with their insurance, or let's Mm -hmm. say someone lives in an area where maybe there's not as many medical providers available, or, you know, we can even look into the research. If it is an individual who is a woman and, or a person of color, those folks, unfortunately, based on research are gaslit more often in medical offices. Um, Some of the old practices have not been updated and you've got these dynamics where, you know, medical providers, they know a lot, they hold the keys to our health in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. We rely Mm -hmm. heavily on their information, but it should be a team effort. It should be a collaboration between them and us. And I applaud you. I applaud you for looking into what you had the right to look into. And I am sorry, but you did experience a little bit of medical gaslighting there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's horrible. You should have been able to say, look at this great information I can offer. Yeah. And I was just, I assumed there were two different types of surgeries. Which one are you choosing? And I am wondering, and this is, a, well, sort of drop this uh, segment uh, after I say this, because I don't really want to spend too much time on it. Um, and I'm wondering if there is a challenge out there to, you know, doctors in the medical profession were never questioned until the advent mm. of of the internet and our ability to look it up. And I, and I, I do leave space for the fact that there's a lot of bad information out there, mm-hmm. but at least if you can be equipped with questions or you go in and you ask the questions to have a dialogue there, well, this is not how we do it or that sort of, I mean, that's, what you want. And I'm just wondering if, if, if there's a little bit harsher of a gaslighting going on in the medical field, because there's a bit more of a challenge, um, to, to what is being said, but we'll, we'll drop that topic there because I really want to, um, you touched on it. Uh, I really want to talk about the most vulnerable, uh, people and you've written your book for women. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start off on that space and and really delve into why women are the the biggest piece here of of your book and and what you're trying to get out to everybody. So we'll be back and we will be back in just a few minutes, everybody. You are listening to the Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back to the Health Hub. This is such a fantastic show with Dr. Amelia Kelly. Dr. Kelly, we ended off with uh, medical gaslighting, but I think there's a little bit more um, to be said about it, and we can spend some time in that area because so many things popped into my head. Um, when it comes to females, uh, we're going to sort of go into that direction, females and medical gaslighting, two things pop into my mind more than anything else is fibromyalgia and PCOS. And these were, um, a long time for a long time thought that they were sort of in the heads of women. Mm. How has, um, how can this affect a woman? And what, you know, this is, these are just two examples of course, but where can women go? 
with protecting themselves um, when it, you're in such a vulnerable space as within the medical profession? So the diagnoses that you brought up, and if you don't mind, I'd also like to add endometriosis to mm -hmm. that list. Mm -hmm. These are uniquely female diagnoses, not to say that men cannot experience fibromyalgia and um, uh, other autoimmune issues. But the fact of it is, is that women's nervous systems just respond differently to stress, especially research has found if you experience trauma during the luteal phase of your cycle, you're more likely to have hormone imbalances and other medical issues that can unfold in the future, such as endometriosis, which is why I brought that up. So what you need is medical providers who are willing to think outside the box in order to get what you really deserve. And in order to find those kind of medical providers, it, it means you want to be doing a couple things to protect yourself in the face of medical gaslighting. Number one, know that you have options. I know I had mentioned before that you may live in an area that has limited medical providers, for instance. But remember, one of the advents from COVID is that telehealth is much more available. So if you're working with someone and you feel invalidated or they're not willing to listen, you have options to look. You can change providers. You can get a second, a third, a fourth opinion. That is your right. And it makes me think of even someone trying to find a therapist. You would never want to just try one. And if it didn't feel like a good fit, tough it out. You're going to want to find someone you have a good relationship with. Mm -hmm. The second thing, record, record, record. You can get yourself a diary or a journal where you place the different symptoms you have or the different questions. And then this relates to the specific diagnoses you had mentioned, because those are syndromes. You can't simply test with one blood draw or one scan. You have to look at a collection of symptoms. So if any of those symptoms are being devalued or not being acknowledged, it can throw the entire diagnoses off. And you're right, some of the symptoms can also be psychosomatic, meaning that our mind and our body can manifest certain illnesses or ailments. But an ailment and an illness is an illness, no matter where it comes from. So if you can record these things in a diary, that gives you something to hold and to present. Another one is remembering that, you know, I'd mentioned in the last segment, you have the right to look up information. You have the right to collaborate. And if the person you're speaking to is not willing to, then again, you know that this may not be the best medical provider for you. Fair enough. And that's, that's great advice. It really is great advice. Um, you wrote your book, uh, uh, Gaslight and Recovery for Women. The Complete mm -hmm. Guide to Recognizing Manipulation and Achieving Freedom from Emotional Abuse. Can men get gaslit or is this just not a common thing? Absolutely, men can be gaslit. Um, and, you know, if anything, I've had a couple of men read the book and say that it was very helpful for their own processes and or also to understand what has happened to women in their life. The reason I wanted to focus on women solely, however, is because there are certain forms of gaslighting that women will be more susceptible to, especially when you look at systemic gaslighting. 
And actually, speaking of medical gaslighting, which we've highlighted quite a bit today, the word hysteria, which I'm sure you've heard before, Mm -hmm. is one of the first documented forms of medical gaslighting. And I don't want to say first, we'll say one of the more popular forms of medical gaslighting, where hundreds of years ago, if women came to their provider with any sort of complaints that had anything to do with their female reproductive system, instead of being treated, they could at times be locked away or be be stated to be mentally ill or physically ill because of symptoms that maybe had to do with their menstrual cycle or things that we had mentioned earlier, like endometriosis. So -hmm. instead of taking the concerns serious, there was a term that was created called hysteria that was a diagnosis to describe women. It's, it's, well, we could really talk and go down that pathway for the, you know, for a long, long time. Um, But what I want to maybe is, is to take a bit of a right hand turn here and talk about gaslighting within relationships. Um, We've talked about stages. We have talked about um, characteristics of gaslighting. Once a woman, you might have to back up, back me up here. Once a woman has identified that she is being gaslit and maybe there are, maybe you can give us some questions or some pathways to identify if a woman is being gaslit, where does she go from here? Well, so the first thing is understanding and recognizing that you are being gaslit. So I'm glad that you're asking, what do you do when you've realized it? If you have realized it or recognized it, if you have that uncomfortable, as I mentioned earlier, when I was gaslit professionally, I had that flip in my stomach. If it feels like the person that is gaslighting you or the entity that's gaslighting you is making you doubt yourself, doubt your reality, doubt what you know to be true. These are good examples of what gaslighting is and what it looks and feels like especially sometimes gaslighters will be so staunch on their argument that they will still gaslight you in the face of evidence, literal evidence in front of them. So if you encounter any situations where someone is completely disregarding your sense of reality, that's a very good example of what gaslighting is and what it looks and feels like. Hmm. It can happen in so many different situations. I can see it happening. I can see gaslight happening almost innocently to start with and then being used as a tool as you move on in your relationship. Um, Can you be in love with your gaslighter? Absolutely. I mean, that's unfortunately one of the things that can keep individuals focused and, and in these relationships. I mean, there had to be there had to be something good at some point for you to invest emotionally and just intellectually in someone. And it's also where the cycle of abuse comes in. Uh, Much like a slot machine, you're not going to keep playing the slots if you know you're never going to win, right? So that intermittent reward that we receive, Mm -hmm. if you're in an abuse cycle, knowing that if I just walk on enough eggshells, or if I just do this thing, or if I just agree with a gaslighter, I will be in their favor again, and they will love me and they will and things will feel good. 
that possibility of things feeling good, interestingly, releases more dopamine, so gives us more reward than just a consistently stable relationship, which you can imagine how dangerous or even for some of my clients, how addicting that can feel. Absolutely. Well, then where do you begin when you're working with somebody? Where does a victim start to heal? How do they start to heal? So after they've identified that they've experienced gaslighting, and sometimes they don't even know this can be they're in session and maybe I realize that they're being gaslit. And so I'll gently in- introduce the topic or the idea to them. The next is to reassess and, and reconnect with that inner self voice. So much like you might keep a journal of your symptoms for a doctor, you also want to try to document or fact check what you've been going through. So that scenario where I was professionally gaslit, I got off the phone. I I was shocked and I immediately picked my phone back up and called someone I trusted and said, is this, is this gaslighting? What was this, what I experienced? It was almost like we need this other dynamic, this other person, sometimes someone you trust to touch base with and to, to make sure that your reality is your reality. If you don't have someone you can do that with, that's what I would encourage you to do things like picking up a journal or saving emails. This fact checking, it might seem um, neurotic, but it is actually healthy, responsible, and it is your right. Uh, From there, if you feel like you need to reconnect with your own, as we were saying, your self-esteem gives you that ability to know that you have a right to be treated with respect you're going to have a greater sense of esteem for yourself the more connected you are to yourself. So I had recommended in the book, if you cannot get out of the relationship, because we're talking about a romantic relationship right now, but what mm-hmm. if it's your parent? Uh-huh. What if it's you what if it's your child? You know, what if it's someone you can't just move away from right away? Wow, that funny, that didn't even occur to me. Mm-hmm. Right. It didn't even occur to me. Right. So in those scenarios, you know, I have this way of working with some of my folks where if we're not helping you leave, we're going to help you stay. And I don't and I don't mean in an abusive relationship. I mean, again, in a dynamic, maybe like it's your parent and you're a minor and you can't leave until you're 18, for instance. How do you sustain your sense of reality as best you can in those kind of scenarios? And the answer is to fill your cup four to five from within as much as you can possibly. So I remember working with a 17-year-old who was being grossly gaslit by her father. And so we worked really hard, not on changing his behavior, but on finding her a job, finding her a way to get out of the house, be with other people, do things for her independence. So it might have felt like we were completely bypassing the gaslighting. But in fact, we were just trying to do something to fortify her individuality. And that's so important. Does it uh, does it make any sense to work with the gaslight? Can this be done obliviously to somebody? You mean, can it be done without anyone noticing? No, like, 
within a, a child parent relationship where the child is, is an older child now talking to his parent or the parent, the parent child relationship where you're talking about the parent as the gaslighter. Can this just, can the gaslighter be doing this without realizing like, like belittling and that belittling is that would be more, but just there's nuances of gaslighting that I just, you know, I sometimes wonder if the, if the gaslighter is aware of what they're doing. Well, I think if the gaslighter is insecure and lacks insight, they may not be as aware of what they're doing. But isn't that really the essence of all self-improvement and self-awareness and self-help? Yeah, you but know? does it make sense where you sit, you bring in the gaslighter and say, this is what you know your words and your actions are doing? Have you ever had that instance and they've gone, oh, I, oh my gosh, I never even, it never dawned on me. Yes, I would say when the person who is gaslighting is not for instance, a narcissist or malicious. Mm-hmm. So let's say maybe you have someone who <clears throat> is feeling fearful or insecure in a relationship. Maybe we look at attachment theory. If you have someone who struggles with disorganized or insecure attachment, anxious attachment, and they are terrified you're going to leave them. And so this individual, the gaslighter is not a narcissist. They're not malicious, but they're scared. Mm-hmm. And so they employ gaslighting tactics. You confront them, you let them know, and maybe they'll be a little defensive, I would anticipate, but hopefully they're willing to listen and they're willing to repair and they're willing to change. It's possible. This is not in a scenario, like I said, however, with a, a malicious narcissist, mm-hmm. however, Absolutely. because right in that circumstance, more often than not, almost 99.9% of the time, they're not going to understand. They're just going to reascribe to their script of what they want and how they want to control you. Is one part of the healing, um, I, I, I'm going to assume that when someone is has been gaslit, boundaries have been abolished uh, or knocked down, is, is one part of the healing trying to understand, renew, and define boundaries? 100%. Boundaries are so important. And ideally, if you recognize someone's gaslighting you, you can either distance and uh, cut off that relationship. Like I'd mentioned, if you feel like your medical provider is gaslighting you, why would you stay with that medical provider if you have an opportunity to find one that's going to treat you fairly? Same thing goes for romantic relationships, friendships, even employers. But then you look at the dynamic. Let's say it's your dream job. Let's say you've been wanting your whole life to get to this place. And there's an individual who's in a higher rank or in a position of power who is gaslighting you. What do you do then? You know, so sometimes it's difficult to completely cut off from a gaslighter. And so boundaries... You can have you can have hard boundaries on what you will and won't talk to the gaslighter about. You know, there there might be a gaslighter in your family that you're going to have to interact with at certain gatherings and you can choose boundaries. I will not engage with this person in these kinds of conversations. I won't ask their opinion. I won't give them, you know, my vulnerable side of me. So to use that term vulnerability that you've discussed, 
you can choose not to be vulnerable with a gaslighter. And that's the most ideal if you cannot cut the relationship off. It's quite a, you know, we could sit here and talk about it. There's so, I have my paper here and I write all these things down as you're talking. And I think, man, I could go in this direction. I could go in (laughs) that direction. And we're, we pushed up right against the clock. Um, Your book, I'm going to reiterate the name of the book. So it's, it's a fantastic thing to read and, and to understand, Uh, you know, anybody can be gaslit in the right situation. Um, and so this is almost a preventative in some ways for some people. Gaslighting mm-hmm. Recovery for Women, the Complete Guide to Recognizing Manipulation and Achieving Freedom from Emotional Abuse. Uh, where can we find your book? Is it available everywhere? It is available everywhere that books are sold. Oh, wonderful. Dr. Kelly, this has been a real pleasure and, and a real, you know, a study for me. It's It's been very interesting learning about this and speaking to you about this topic. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.